Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. So today we're focusing on childlike faith. Childlike faith, Mark 10, 13 to 16. And Jesus had just, if you've been following along here, Jesus has just finished talking about marriage, and now he moves on to children. Goes right down the list to children. And it's, like I said earlier, it's one of the most touching stories in the Bible with, with him welcoming the children. This teaching of Jesus had to be a shock to Mark's readers. Because remember, who was Mark writing to? The Christians in Rome, right? He's writing to the Gentile Christians in Rome. And this had to be a real shock to them because... Uh, in Rome, it was a very, very different culture than in, in Israel at the time, although it was starting to permeate Israel. The Roman fathers had total, absolute power over their family, according to Roman law. They had the power of life and death over their children. At birth, he could decide, oh, I don't want a girl. I'm going to go, you know, just have her killed. He didn't have to raise them. And even when they're older, when, they're, when they got to be older, older they could still... He could still punish them by execution. He had an amazing power. And Romans generally didn't distinguish between abortion and infanticide. Uh, even when they were older, like I said, they could kill them. They would throw the girls in the river very often. Or if there was a mistake, the, the, the abortion and infanticide were completely permissible. And so this attitude began to spread all over the Roman world. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Spread all over the Roman world and even it had started to affect the attitudes of the people in Israel, which might have had an effect on the disciples' attitude toward children here. We'll talk about more of that later. This has a lot to say to us, this passage about Jesus welcoming children. You see the parallels with the USA Today. The same thing. We've, we've picked up a lot of the Roman attitude, haven't we? And just this, this message had to be a, a radical message that Jesus valuing children like this in the Roman society, and it ultimately changed Roman society. The reason that all changed is as Rome was conquered by Christianity, that's when life was valued. And I hope the same thing happens in the U.S. as the church wakes up and becomes the church of Jesus Christ, that life is valued here in the USA today. Let's pray before I read the passage. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to make a difference right here in our home area. I pray that you would speak to us and lead us on, on how we can partner with Choice One and, and save lives. And not just save lives, but save people spiritually, making a difference in mothers' and fathers' lives. Father, we just pray now as we look at your word that your spirit would speak to us and touch us through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read the passage here. Mark 10, 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. So we see in verse 13, I'll read that verse again. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. People are bringing these children, and we know from Luke 18, not just children, but babies, to Jesus so he could touch them. This wasn't, he wasn't a politician trying to win votes, you know, you'll kiss the baby. That wasn't what he was doing. There was a common custom at this time that parents would bring 
their kids to rabbis to be blessed. It's similar to dedication. That's why we do infant and children dedications here. Where we, when parents bring their children and we dedicate them to God, they're bringing their kids to Jesus Christ, really. Their children to Jesus Christ and asking his blessing. There's nothing, the reason we do dedication at baptism is because there's nothing in the Bible about infant baptism. Nothing there at all. It's only believer baptism. Over and over here, believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. In fact, we're going to be having a baptism in August. So we're trying to figure out the exact date right now still. But if you're interested in being baptized, you've never been baptized as a believer, it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience in the river. There's just nothing like it. And so uh, let me know if you're interested. I'm already getting a good list of people who want to be baptized. But there's, there's nothing about infant baptism, but there's not, it's not wrong to baptize an infant as long as the parents understand it has nothing to do with salvation. That debt is simply a dedication. It's not wrong to sprinkle the baby or you know, christen the baby uh, as long as they see it as a dedication and not salvation. Because the Bible teaches that babies and children who die are already going to heaven. They're already okay in God's sight. Remember David, when his son died, the little baby died, he said, I will go to him. I will go to him. Also, there's, the Bible teaches an age of accountability. There's an age of accountability. In Deuteronomy 139, in Deuteronomy, he's talking about the disobedient adults that didn't enter the land because of their lack of faith. But God didn't punish the children with the, the adults. He said something about the promised land, how, and I'm going to read it to you in just a minute, but the promised land is a picture of heaven. One of the types of, is a type of heaven. And so look what he says here. God says, and the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not yet know right from wrong, they will enter the land. They were not held responsible like the adults were because they hadn't reached the age of accountability. And, and that principle is taught in scripture that children, babies that, that die, they haven't reached the age of accountability. They're gonna, they're gonna, they go to heaven. They don't need to be baptized for salvation. But we should dedicate them to God. Very, very important. What is the exact age of accountability? We don't know. We're not sure. But we know that we must all, by the time we reach the, the age of accountability, we must all have put our faith in Jesus Christ from that time. In fact, in John 3, 36, talks about if we don't put our faith in Christ, he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Very important that each of us, when we reach this age of accountability, that we make the decision, either we're going to put our faith in Jesus Christ or reject him. We all have to decide at that time. So, parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, so what, does he, what do the dodos, I mean the disciples do? Uh, yeah, we hear this a lot in Mark, right? The disciples rebuked them. It's a pretty strong word. They didn't just ask them to please come back at a convenient time. They actually rebuked them. Why? Why did they do that? I gave you that assignment. I got several pretty good answers on, e on email back. Why? Unlike many in the USA today, in Jesus' time, the Jews viewed children as a blessing, not a burden. That was the Jewish teaching all the way through the Old Testament. In fact, in Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5, listen to what it says in Psalm. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So we see that children are a blessing. 
And interesting that we talk about archery with Sunder Shot starting. <laughs> Jeff gives me the thumbs up there. Sunder Shot starting this week. See, it's in the Bible everywhere. Uh, but if the, the quiver being full of the arrows for the battle, if you're going into battle, how many arrows do you want in your quiver? Because some people say, what, what, how, what's a quiver full? What does that mean? I always say, well, how many arrows can you get in the, in the quiver? I mean, what, what, if you're going into the battle, how many would you want in the quiver? As many as you can get in the quiver, right? That's what you would want if you're going into a battle. And, 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 and that's, that's the, 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 qu- the quiver full, as many as you can get in there. Uh, I'm not trying to say you should stuff as many kids as you can into a house or anything, but, but my, my point spiritually, you see the point there is it was a blessing. They stressed the blessing there. And in the USA Today, the reason I'm saying that is because in the USA Today, kids are not seen as a blessing, but they're seen as a liability, as a pain, as a drain. There's a, there's a, 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 a thinking in our culture. Let me have my 1.6 children and get this over with so I can get on with my life. You know, there's, there's an attitude, a pervasive attitude that you see, not so much in, with Christians, but definitely in the world. Kim and I could write a book on this, right? Thirteen kids, and boy, we have heard it all. I mean, we could write several books on what we've heard people say to us. Are you crazy? That's one of the nicer ones. Why do you have so many kids? And I would say, I, I'm just blessed, I guess. You know, the, the, the worldly people don't get that quite. But the nicer ones say, God bless you, which means, boy, I hope you can get through this. And I always say, he has. I always smile. I say, he has. Yeah. So, you know, we've had a lot of fun with this. I, I was used to get upset with the first six, but the next seven we don't worry about anymore. So anyway, uh, <laughs> now I'm not saying it always feels like a blessing either. Whether you have one or 13, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't always feel like a blessing. There's been many stressful days and sleepless nights, but there's a deep joy intertwined with the pain that I would never trade. It is, it's a blessing. So why did Jesus rebuke well, I'm going to say, why did the disciples, Jesus is going to rebuke in a minute, why did the disciples rebuke these people if children are a blessing? And also, we already saw in Mark chapter 9, 36, 37, we already looked at how Jesus already told them to welcome the children. In fact, I'll just read those verses again. So you remember when we did this passage, if you didn't get this, the CD or go on the podcast. But look at verse 36. He took a little child and he had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So he already taught them to welcome children in his name. What's with these guys, right? How could they forget something he said? We never do that, do we? Never, never, never. So, so why? Well, probably the Roman attitude was so pervasive by now it had infected even the, the disciples and the people in, in Israel, just like God's people being infected by a lot of the world's mentality and thinking, right, in our culture. Uh, same thing. But also with this whole attitude, they did not want to be bothered by the little people. And we talked about that in, in Mark chapter 9. The little people didn't want to be bothered with these little people. We saw back in, in Mark chapter 10 verse 1, there's a huge crowds following. And, and Jesus is dealing with crowds and the disciples are dealing with crowds. And they're always dealing with crowds. And you know what it's like when, when, when you're dealing with a crowd and a lot of stress, the last thing you want to be bothered with or have energy for is kids, right? I mean, we all experience, you ever feel that way? You're just exhausted, you are distracted, you just want to come home and veg in front of the TV, you get the, the, the remote in your hand, and the kids come up and ask you a question, or they want to spend some time, right? And how do, we, how do we respond? You ever feel that way? 
I was working on my this sermon. I was finishing it up, you know, working on it, and I was under a lot of pressure. I had a lot going on the day that I was working on it, and and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, get through all this, and I'm dealing with it. I had so many interruptions, and and I it's, the door bangs open. The kids are supposed to knock, you know, or, you know, and I'm just supposed to say, come in, and if I don't say come in, that means I'm on the phone or really busy, but. Certain ones don't do that, Emily being one of them. And so the door flies open, and Emily comes sweeping in, and in all of her Emily Emily-ness, and she, uh, you know, she starts asking me questions, all this stuff, and I'm like, Emily, I'm really busy. I'm really, really busy. Can you? And I'm like, I'm doing this sermon, right? I'm doing this verse, and I'm like, oh, I hate that when this happens. And so I say, listen, Em. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really busy now. I'm going to spend time with you later. I'm going to have time, but just come and give me a big hug right now. So she's just so happy. She gave me a big hug, and that's all she needed, a big hug. She's on her way again. But, uh, but how many times do we forget to do that? We, we get distracted or we don't have the energy. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. He is super busy. Much more stressed out than the disciples because he's headed to Jerusalem at this very moment. He's headed to Jerusalem for a very important date. That's where he's headed. He's headed to be crucified and, and die on a cross for our sins, for, for all these people, the, the mob, including the children. And what does he do in verse 14? When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus was indignant. It's a very, very strong word in the Greek. It means, well, I can't really say what it really means up in the pulpit, but if, you know, on the farm, we would have certain words for it. But he was really mad. He was really ticked. He, he gives the disciples a stinging rebuke. A stinging rebuke. He says, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Many people don't count kids' conversions when they have you know, witness, evangelism and, and raise your hand and fill out the card. They don't count kids. But, but Jesus does. Jesus counts kids' conversions. And we often hear adults say to kids, and I've never said it, have you? Uh, grow up. Grow up. What are they saying? Act like an adult. But Jesus is saying, don't grow up. He's telling us as adults, don't grow up. Be like a child when it comes to faith. Not in everything else. But when it comes to faith, he wants us to be like children, not to grow up. And he gives them a faith lesson in verse 15, a very important faith lesson where he says, I tell you the truth. Whenever he says, I tell you the truth, pay attention. It's important. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Wow. Childlike, that's where we get childlike faith from. The saying, childlike faith. What is childlike faith? I was trying to think of, think of a way to really illustrate it. And I was trying to figure out, and, and I saw on my desk a, a little letter from Emily. <laughs> and it was a Dear God letter. And I, and I told her later, I said, Emily, I love that letter that you wrote. And I know she wanted me to read it. She was like, oh, you opened it? That was for God. You know? <laughs> so, so here it is from, from Emily. And this is childlike faith. Dear God, D-E-E-R God. I'm T-H-A-K space F-U-L-L, thankful for you, heart, drawing, and my family, smiley face. Big smile. And the world. Star, 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 star. 
and everything. Little girl, little boy drawing. Love, Emily. That's childlike faith. That's it. That's what God wants from us. How many times are we too busy to, to say something like that to God? Too distracted, too self-absorbed. But the kids aren't. That's it. Childlike faith. It's, that's what Jesus is talking about. That we lose so many times, don't we? We must receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Or we can't enter it. We've got a couple of illustrations between two little ch children today. But what is childlike faith really? How do we describe it? It's totally helpless. It's dependent. It's trusting of, our, of a parent. That's childlike faith. And that's what we must be with our Heavenly Father. We, we have to be totally helpless. God, I need your mercy. I, I, I need the forgiveness of my sins. I can't deal with the sins in my life, the wrong I've done. I need your mercy. And then we need to be dependent. God, now do I need your mercy. I need your grace. Your grace. And the grace is the gift of his son Jesus who died on the cross in our place. That was his gift. And then it's trusting. Just like we trust our parent, we have to be trusting of God by putting our faith in what Jesus Christ did on that cross. That's what communion is all about, remembering what he did on that cross, trusting him. How do we receive the kingdom of God like a little child? How do we receive it? John 1, 12, I, I just... It hit me as I was looking at this. John 1, 12, where he says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How do we receive? By believing in Jesus' name. And that's how we become children of God. That's why in John 3, 3, a couple, little bit further on in John 3, 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That's how we become God's children. We have to be born again. The word literally means born from above. It's a spiritual birth that has to happen in our heart for us to become a, a child of God. And how, do we, how are we born again? John 3, 16. You've heard it a couple of times. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. By believing in Jesus. And the word in belief, the word that used here in the Greek doesn't mean intellectual knowledge. It doesn't mean knowing something or assenting to something. It, it's a lot deeper. It means to completely trust in, to cling to, to put your complete trust in. That's what the word believe, your complete faith in. It's a, a, the best picture I have is a little baby holding, or a little child holding on to its parent. And you know how they get scared? You're, you're holding them and you take them up to Santa Claus or something. They freak out and they grab you really tight, you know? Or, or somebody's scary. You know, they, they grab you really tight. That's the picture, that complete grabbing on and hanging on to and, and depending on their parent. You let go of them, they're still hanging there, right? That, that's, what, that's the picture. You take your hands away and the kid's still gripping you and they're not going anywhere. And, and that's the picture of the word. That's the best picture I can give you of the word believe. That's when we grab onto Jesus and say, I believe you died for my sin. That I can be forgiven by clinging to you and what you did for me on that cross. Taking my place, my sin. My, and, and I can be forgiven and given a brand new life. Real life in Christ. I, and when we do that, we become a, a child of God. A brand new person. 
And when we take that step, look what happens. Verse 16, back to Mark chapter 10, verse 16. Look what happens, what Jesus does. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. We became God's children, and we're in his hands. And we'll be blessed by him. We'll be blessed as we learn to not just be saved by faith, but now we learn to live by faith. As we cling to him on a daily basis, we, we, we're, we find that blessing. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are saved by faith, but we also have to live by faith. We're saved at one time, salvation, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, but then it's a daily living by faith to keep on growing spiritually. And as we rest in his arms, and as we rest in his love, we learn to trust our Heavenly Father. Just like a little child, we're trusting our Heavenly Father. And when we do that, we enjoy, just as Jesus blessed the children, we, learn, we start to enjoy the blessings of our love relationship with him. And we also involves not just enjoying the blessings, but also involves his discipline, submitting to God's discipline, our Heavenly Father's discipline, believing that everything, even the painful things, even the trials in our life, have our ultimate good in view. God will not allow anything to happen to us unless it involves our ultimate good. Maybe not what looks good on earth, but ultimately in heaven someday, it's for our ultimate good. It's similar to, I was trying to think what a good way to describe this. It's like getting shots. You take your, your child to, to the doctor and they need, on their birthday, you know, every year that, you know, close to their birthday, what's the reward? They often get a shot, you know? And I always say to Kim, don't do it near their birthday or on their birthday. That's not right, you know? But, but she doesn't listen. But anyway, the, uh, she says, I got too many things going on. This is the only time I can remember. But anyway, the... Uh, they, you get that shot, and the, the kids don't like getting a shot. It hurts. Did you like getting a shot as a kid? It hurts. But unless we get that shot, bad things are going to happen to us, right? If we don't, if we don't get that shot, we'll end up with you know whatever. You know, it, it, it's it, that shot. That shot is saving us from pain down the road. And God uses discipline in our life like that. But the way that we respond to the shot is, makes all the difference. We've had several kids, different types of kids, when they go to get shots. One of them, and you probably can almost figure out who they are, but hated shots and would not submit to the shots and fought tooth and nail. In fact, Kim was pregnant with Joshua uh, before he was born, and she was really pregnant, and she took this other one to get a, a shot and uh, he fought her the doctor couldn't do the shot so Kim he said I need your help Kim had to hold him down on, on, on the table there so the doctor could give him a shot I don't know how he didn't break the needle but Kim had to fight him so hard to get the shot that she went into labor and she ended up having the baby even earlier than she probably would have had him. Had Joshua even earlier than she should, we would have had him. And so she went to leave. That's how hard she had to fight. But then other ones, she would come home and say, and usually it was one of I said, which one was the easy one? She says, all the girls. That's what she says, all the girls. Uh, she said, she, they go in, she goes, you won't believe it. Remember that dodo I had to fight on the table? Well, get this, I just took so-and-so in, and she, just, she didn't even whimper. She just submitted to it and took it and, you know, maybe frowned a little bit, but she took it. She didn't fight me tooth and nail. And we are like that, aren't we? We can either fight God and battle him, even though he's trying to do something that's going to help us avoid future pain, or we can submit to what he's trying to do. And when we submit, it's a lot easier, right? He doesn't have to break so many needles, you know, in, in us, you know, trying to, trying to do that. How are we doing as, uh, in our, with, our, with our faith? Are we living 
in faith? Are we trusting our Father's love, his sovereign purpose, even when life is confusing? And it gets confusing, doesn't it? Are we trusting him even when it's confusing? Do we come to the arms of Jesus on a regular basis to be held by him? Are we staying close in that love relationship with him, just like the kids? If not, we're missing many blessings, and we're missing many blessings, and also when we don't come to him when we're going through a trial that he's put in our life, we're missing out on his grace, aren't we? We're missing out on the grace, and we're missing out on, on uh, achieving the purpose of that trial. And I know it's hard, especially when the trials continue. It's hard, hard, hard. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize anything. But, but I'm not God. Only God knows why he puts us through what he puts us through. And, we, and if we don't come to his arms and let him hold us, we're wasting the grace that he would give us and also the trial's purpose. So many times we focus on the trial. Do you ever do this? Not, don't raise your hand. We focus on the trial instead of focusing on what God is trying to do in our life and instead of focusing on Jesus' arms in that trial. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. You need to put your faith in Jesus. Have you ever, do you know for sure you've put your faith in Jesus, that you've been born again, that you've come to God in childlike faith and trusted him and given him your life? Most people who don't do that that I talked to, I talked to a lot of people about it. Most don't, you know, you know what the main reason why they don't do it? They think they're too smart. They're too smart for God. They figured out their own system. And, and they may not verbalize it, but when you really push it to them, they have their own system. I've got this, I'm building my own stairway to heaven. They've got it figured out. It's some religious system or a philosophical system, but it usually involves human effort. And what's at the base of it? Pride. That's why the world hates the cross. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Remember what Paul said? It, you know why it hates the cross? Because it's too easy. They're too smart for it. What? Jesus died on a cross for my sin and I just have to believe that? I don't believe that. They're too smart for it. Because we have to humble ourselves. It really comes down to pride and humbling ourselves. We have to humble ourselves like a little child. That's why the vast majority, different studies, and I can't remember the exact percentage, but the vast majority of people who become Christians become Christians before the age 18. Did you know that? Before they reach the age 18, the vast majority do. After that, it's, it's not that common. Why? Because they lose that childlike faith ability. And that's why many who put their faith in Christ, they make some kind of commitment. They say they're a Christian, but after as a child but after they get older after they hit 18 they go off to college a lot of them drop their faith they go to college and they drop out spiritually they don't drop out of college they drop out of out of god they drop out spiritually why because they're too smart now they're too smart they've been poisoned by these professors these poison profs who who are too smart for god and they get poisoned by the world system and all of a sudden they're too smart for god now what happened? When they were a kid, they believed. Now they don't. What happened? They just got too smart. And we know what really is the base of it. It's foolishness. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's not real wisdom. It's the world's wisdom, and it's a lie, isn't it? We have to become like a little child to put our faith in Christ. And once we put our faith in Christ, we have to keep that childlike faith. Don't let the world's lies and pride and Satan's lies creep in and steal that faith. We have to keep that faith. 
where it's, it's interesting that we, this passage is bringing us into communion because Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem here. He's on his way to Jerusalem to die for us, to give his body and to give his blood. And communion, which we're going to celebrate here now, is a reminder of that. The bread is the reminder of his body that he gave for us. The, the grape juice is a reminder of the blood that he gave for, gave for us. And it's also a reminder that he wants to commune with us on a regular basis. He wants a, communion means clo- being intimate, being close. He wants a close relationship on a regular basis. That's what this reminder is. What, what it is, again, I already mentioned the, 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 the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Christ. It's a reminder of what he did for us. How we take it, we just... Uh, have some time of prayer we have some worship music and when you're ready you can just come on up and and get it if you're not able to come up someone else near you can bring it up for you get it for you but just come and and take it back and when you're ready it could be just by yourself it could be with your family could be with a friend however god leads you to take the lord's supper it's between you and god the only reasons why we shouldn't take the lord's supper are two things one is if we aren't we aren't ready to put our faith in Jesus Christ. You may be here and you're, you haven't put your faith in Christ yet. And you say, I won't do it yet. Don't take the Lord's Supper. It's very, very serious. It's okay. Nobody's videotaping or taking attendance. It's, you know, the, wait till you're ready to put your faith in Christ. Or if you are a Christian and there's something in our life that we're not willing to surrender. A sin that we're not ready to give up. Now notice I didn't say that you don't have sin in your life because nobody could come up then. But it's a sin that we're not willing to repent of and to, to ask God to forgive us and to, to cleanse us of so that we can commune with him. You see, it's all about surrendering sin so that that's coming between us and God so that we can commune with him, so we can have our intimacy and our closeness with him because sin comes between us. It's a wall between us. But if, if there's something you're not willing to surrender, not that you're struggling with it, but that you're not willing to surrender, say, God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. If you're not willing, then don't take the Lord's Supper. Very, very serious. Very serious. Let's pray. As we go to this time of communion, I want to talk to those who have maybe never put their faith in Jesus yet. Maybe this morning is the the day that you come to Jesus in faith. To be born again. To become a child of God. To have your sins forgiven and and to start a brand new life with God as your father instead of your judge. In the arms of Jesus. But it takes childlike faith. And it's simple. It's so easy that even a child can do it. That's how easy God has made becoming a child of his. The only thing that makes it hard is us. Our sinful will, our human pride, Or a sin that we want to hang on to and we think is more important than a relationship with God. That's the only thing that can keep us from taking this free gift. Do you want life in Jesus Christ? A brand new life in Christ? 
eternal life with God someday, in heaven someday. You can have it right this moment if you put your faith in Jesus. A simple prayer, God, please forgive me. I repent of my sin. I don't want the sin anymore. I, I turn away from my old life. I want you, God. Forgive me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My trust, my hope. I'm clinging to Jesus who died on the cross for me. I'm going to follow him. I give you my life, God. I want the life you've created me to have, your purpose for my life. I, I give you my life. If you've just prayed that prayer from your heart to God, you've been born again. You've become a child of God. He's now your father, and you can come to him anytime through the arms of Jesus Christ. Something radical has happened in your life, and you will never be the same. You can now commune with God anytime, any minute, any second of the day. You have complete access to someone far more powerful than the president or a king or a celebrity, you have access to God, the creator of everyone, as your father, loving father, not the judge, but your loving father. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've prayed that prayer. Let me know, fill out the card, Send me a text. Let's, let me know. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new relationship with God, your new life in Christ. For the rest of us, as we're preparing now for communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe there's something blocking our communion with God. Maybe a sin in our life that, that we know is, is, is hurting our relationship with God. It's blocking that communion. And this morning we surrender that to him. We seriously deal with it. We say, God, whatever it takes, even if I have to talk to someone, get some help with this. Whatever it takes, I, I want to surrender this, God. Maybe we're here and it's not that, but it's because we're not living in faith. We're not trusting our Father with something. In our prayers, God, let me stay close to you. Let me live in faith. Let me trust you. Let me stay close to you. Are we blessed by that intimacy with God? No matter what we're facing in life, we can have that intimacy. We can have that mercy and grace. Are we being blessed by that? Jesus always has time for us. 
no matter what he's busy with. He's got time for us, for his children. Will we make time to commune with him? Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word this morning and would result in a close communion with you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through this communion time. I pray that we would all know true intimacy and true grace in our life, no matter what we're going through. We would know what it's like to be in the arms of Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.